All right, welcome to episode two of the Two Pad Stack podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. We have a special episode of the pod tonight. We have a uh, a new co-host, um, temporary co-host, a guest that's going to be joining us. Lauren from the All Goals No Misses podcast is going to be joining us today. How's it going, Lauren? It's good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, super stoked to have you. I'm doing fantastic as uh, as well as one can be for a Monday evening. Um, hashtag no beers are safe. I'm about three deep right now, so I'm having a good evening here. Um, so right off the bat, if you haven't had a chance to check out Lauren and Grace's podcast, um, All Goals, No Misses, which is a fantastic pun. As a dad, I have to say that is top-notch dad jokery. So well done, Grace and Lauren. Um, oh, meat ch- man, actually. Yeah, meat man, way to go, bud. <laughs> There's your shout out, dude. Um, yeah, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, check it out. It's fantastic. It's available on Spotify. It's available on Apple. Um, the podcast here at Two Pad, we've already retweeted it. So if you need a link, go ahead and check our retweets. You can find it there. So. Um, Right off the bat, I just wanted to kind of share some exciting news on behalf of the Two Pad Stack podcast. Um, we're ecstatic to announce that we've also joined the Primetime Productions team, which I'm sure you probably could have put two and two together based on all the support we've shown to uh, the All Goals No Misses podcast so far. So um, Chris, the official co-host, um, and I are very excited that that is the avenue we're going to be going down. Um, please make sure that you're going to go ahead and check out their Twitter account at at primetime prods. That's P R O D S to stay updated on the latest news as you're going to hear more and more about what that company is going to be all about as it continues to develop. Um, I suppose the elephant in the room is lingering. I spent about 15 minutes last pod talking about how I was, willing to basically bet money that Patrice Bergeron was going to be back, you know, with him being the whole face of the franchise and it being the centennial season. Well, if you haven't been living under the rock, surprise, surprise, Patrice Bergeron has elected to retire. Uh, (laughs) Basically shattered my heart into a million pieces because I've been following this guy since I was about 15 years old as a Bruins fan. And, uh, yeah, I, I was not mentally or emotionally prepared for him to make that decision to hang up the skates. Um, Lauren, I know you talked a little bit about it on the All uh, All Goals, No Misses podcast. How did that kind of resonate with you? Were you expecting it? Um, I was expecting him to come back for sure, like 100%. Not even 97%, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was joking with some folks that I'm pretty sure I said, I was 97% sure that Patrice would be back. And it looks like I'm glad that I gave myself that 3% buffer. So um, so I wanted to kind of spend some time right here at the beginning of the pod just addressing Patrice. Um, everybody's probably got Patrice Bergeron emotional you know, exhaustion at this point. Now we're a little late to the game. But, um, you know, I remember Patrice making his rookie debut with the Bruins way back when i wish i could tell you off the top of my head the year it was probably something like oh five or something like that um and i was able to see him go through 
like the ups and downs of his career, the Randy Jones hit where he got that concussion and everybody was wondering if he was even going to be able to return to the NHL, how he overcame that. Um, I, w- I was fortunate enough to meet him, uh, me and my wife in 2011, before they won the cup, we went to Restuccia arena and we actually were able to attend practice. And back then it was much less secure like all of the players would just come outside of their arena. Like they were just like beer league players and they would be parking in the same section as all the fans. And Patrice, I don't know what happened, but Patrice wasn't driving. Patrice was actually riding shotgun in Daniel Paye's car. And they, uh, they pulled up to us and they saw that we were holding a Jersey and they didn't have to stop. Like, it's not like I was standing in front of their car or anything, but Paye stopped and they both took the time to chat with me and my wife. Um, Patrice actually took a photo with my wife and he offered to sign our um, original Fenway winter classic Jersey. And um, just, just an absolute down to earth guy, nicest NHL player that I've ever met to talk to genuinely seemed to care about what we had to say. And that really meant a lot to me because we weren't anything to him, right? Like we were just a couple of Bruins fans there that were slowing him down from getting home to his wife and kids. I think he had a kid at that point. I don't remember, but it, it, it really resonated to me, the kind of person that Patrice Bergeron was. Um, and, and if he can do that to me, who's just a fan that doesn't have a personal relationship with him, I can only imagine the character that he has and, and kind of what he brought to the table to those people that, that had an opportunity to build an actual relationship with him. Um, he was the face of this franchise. He was to me, Mr. Bruin. Um, and I will cherish all of those memories I had as a Bruins fan, uh, with him in mind. So, um, now that I kind of mentioned that, (laughs) um, what is Patrice Bergeron's legacy to you, Lauren? What, what does he leave behind here? So I think, I think it's summed up really well in the words of, um, Charlie McAvoy, I'm trying to find his quote here, but he said, what you built here is special, and I promise I'll do everything I can to take good care of it, and I think that in itself just speaks on his legacy, because as a ca- as a captain for only a few years now, I mean, mm. of course we have Chara building what he wanted to make his legacy but then we also see like players like charlie mcavoy who's coming in as a young 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 kid he's gonna see like i don't know a bunch of the other rookies this year that got a chance to skate with patrice bergeron uh mm-hmm. you see jacob Laco uh tweeting <laughs> a, I love that meme. gif of him like <laughs> of the crying thing on the ground yeah. that's a good one um, but I, I save that in my also, phone. It's in my it's in yeah. my photos. Now. Oh my god, it's hilarious! <laughs> I when he when he tweeted that I I had to double check that it was actually Lauko, um, because I didn't believe believe it. But yeah, I just think all of the people who speak so highly of him, the all of the NHL accounts and the players coming out and saying so much about him, like what's better than being a really good player? It's being a really good person. Absolutely. That's well said. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head there too, I think, Lauren, because you're talking about how 
you know, it wasn't just the Bruins throwing up like a tribute video, right? You know, what Patrice Bergeron left the game of hockey transcends Boston. And while he was the perfect ambassador for the Boston Bruins, you think about, you know, the message that our most bitter rivals, Les Canadiens de Montreal, post on their Twitter account. You know, obviously Patrice is a Quebecois. He's from Quebec, but he's not. He's not from Montreal. He's a he's a Quebec City kid. But the amount of respect that his opponents and his um, his people in in Montreal and in Quebec itself have for him, um, it's just immense. Um, then you have Sidney Crosby, his teammate at the uh, World Cup and the Olympics, coming out and, and utilizing the official Penguins Twitter account. You know, putting out a message, paying homage to Patrice, same as Mike Sullivan, former coach of the Bruins. I think he was the coach of uh, Patrice in his very first rookie year with the Bees. Uh, that implies there were multiple rookie years, but his rookie year with the Bees. Um, and then even Anze Kopitar, another Selkie contender that, um, you know, was able to go head to head against Patrice so many times. When you see these twitter accounts that are officially run by other franchises that gain nothing by sharing these stories other than just paying respect it really just tells a story so um i i am still trying to kind of come to terms with it i'm still in like that mourning period with the fact that i'm never going to see patrice bergeron in a bruins jersey at least in like an official sense again um but this begs the question here if we if we turn the page real quickly you know, just topic wise, where do the Bruins go from here? Um, do the Bruins need to get another center? Do we expect to get them in another center? I mean, I talked about it a little bit on the last pod. You know, all the logical names out there right now are pointing to Elias Lindholm, Mark Shifley. Um, what do you think, Lauren? Do you think the Bruins are going to be able to make something like that happen? Or do you think they're going to be standing pat this year? I think from the quotes that I've seen, I think they're standing pat this year. I really don't believe that they're going to bring in another center. I don't believe they're going to lose uh, one of your top defensemen, most likely, to bring in a center. Um, and we just don't have the cap space for it. I mean, considering we're still trying to get Frederick and Swayman in, I just think it would be too insane of a loss. So... If that's the case, what do you have your top four centers for this opening night lineup like looking like? Um, I like I, I said on I said to Grace the other day mm -hmm. that for my top two centers, I'm not exactly sure um, mm -hmm. because I think I think Zaka could do it. Mm -hmm. I I think Coyle could take some shifts at it. I'm not sure if we saw playoff mm -hmm. Coyle, then maybe. Would but nice. Coil is pretty inconsistent in that, you know, in that realm of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then we have um, forgetting his name. Geeky. Yeah, I shouldn't forget his name. I literally have been talking about him forever. <laughs> yeah, uh, You're Geeky, good. who I'm actually really excited for. Um, he was like my favorite signing so far, and. I would really like to see him playing that 3C line. But I don't know if, I mean, I guess he has to now. Because when we were talking yeah. about it, we were wondering about Krejci too. 
Yeah, and that's a good point. We can touch on Krejci after this. Um, I'm admittedly not their number one fan of David Krejci, but um, I want to throw a wild card name for you to keep an eye out for. And I've heard good things, and some people that know far more than me have said they wouldn't surprise they wouldn't be surprised if this individual player made a splash at a training camp and made a real go at being a centerman on this Boston Bruins club. And that's Matthew Poitra. Um, I've actually heard from a lot of folks that were down there at dev camp. Chris Davis was one of them. A few other folks, but Matt Poitra looked more dynamic, more NHL ready than even Fabian Lysel did in his last couple of days. Granted, you know, I'll throw an asterisk on that because Lysel still was recovering from some of that uh, concussion that he had. But um, it would be really interesting to me to see if Matthew Poitra could go ahead and contend for a third-line center spot. Um, have you had any thoughts about that? Have you heard anything about Matt Poitra? I did hear um, pretty pretty much basically what you just said. Um, mm-hmm. And that was like my biggest, my biggest gripe with last year's season was that they didn't involve many young kids. Mm-hmm. They didn't bring up many. And like, you know, cause when you're winning so much, like you can, you know, mess around with things a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I wish that they brought up some of these kids and let them have the experience and, you know, work with people like Patrice Bergeron um, while you have him. But I mean, it didn't happen and that's it is what it is but you know um yeah i don't have anything else to say yeah that's fair i mean i think it's interesting i think that there are six nhl quality centermen that they could have you know sitting there and it potentially as an option you've got pavel zaka who i think is t- tentatively penciled in as 1c right charlie coyle who's best as a 3c but he's not he, you know he's a serviceable 2c Morgan Geeky, you know, he's coming in. The Bruins promised him an elevated role from what he had in the past. That's the reason why he chose Boston. Then you still have Matt Poitra. You have uh, Patrick Brown, who they just signed, who I think is pegged probably for a 4C role. Trent Frederick can play center. What is he going to do? So I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of people making a lot of drama about the Bruins center situation. I agree that they don't have a bona fide you know, number one centerman. But I think that they can kind of approach this position as a center by committee type of resolution and really hope that their strong defense and probably league leading goaltending, which we'll talk about soon. I know it's a topic that's very near and dear to our hearts. Um, but uh, I, I, I really think that they're hoping that those factors can kind of buoy them and, and kind of carry them while we're navigating this kind of void in the top line center spot. I really do think that Don Sweeney is going to be doing his due diligence towards the deadline, looking at the center position. I believe that in this upcoming off season, the uh, 24, 25 off season that, you know, we'll have like 30 plus million in cap space. And I believe going out and getting a like a top tier centerman, is going to be on Sweeney's agenda as well. Um, you want to talk about some arbitration? Sure. Well, my hope is this time that we will talk about arbitration and goaltenders and stuff like that 
and everything will be still relevant by the time the podcast drops. Um, that would be nice. Yeah. So um, I'll hand it over to you. Do you want to give me the lowdown and what the latest is on Jeremy Swayman as our resident goaltender expert? I mean, he's going to stay here. I mean, I can't I can't see the arbitrator giving him over. What was it like four point five something million? Yeah. Um, which is when the Bruins could walk away. Um, and honestly, I think even if they did give him that, the Bruins still wouldn't walk away. They'd trade somebody else and keep yeah. him. You really you really can't lose someone like Jeremy Swayman at this point in his career. He's way too valuable. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I'm definitely intrigued to see where the arbitrator comes in at. Um, so if I... I don't have the figures in front of me, so if you do, Lauren, correct me. But if I'm remembering correctly, the Bruins offer was like around 2.5 or something like that for a one-year deal. And Swayman's ask... Okay, 2 million. um, And then Swayman's ask was like 4.9, I believe. 4.8, yeah. Okay, so I was off by 0.1 on both both, both (laughs) ones. Nice, I'll take that. Um, So... I mean, I think that I think it's not too big of a stretch to say that it's fair to expect this one to come right in at the middle, you know, 3.4 or so. Um, didn't Samsonov just get awarded 3.75? Samsonov got, uh, I think it was 3.55, and then okay. Gustafson got 3.75, I believe, today. Okay. And that wasn't, that was a, a deal before arbitration with, um, mm-hmm. with Gustafson. Okay. Yeah, so it seems like it's in the threes here for goaltenders, young goaltenders with upside. I heard a lot of people saying that Swayman should probably get more than like four. And it kind of, I don't really understand that logic a little bit here because he is still not a number one goaltender. He's a he's like a number one B, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he's still behind Linus Allmark, which shout out to Linus. Happy birthday today. Um, those of you that are listening, you will know that it's no longer Big Penis Linus's birthday, but that was uh, when we recorded it. My boy Linus Olmark had his birthday. So um, as a fellow Swede, I got to shout out Linus Olmark. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm optimistic that it'll come in at that 3.4. Um, that'll give something like 2.6 in cap space or so. Uh, for Trent Frederick's arbitration, which we will touch on here soon. But, um, Lauren, do you think, and I know this is a question, I already know the answer to this from you, but was it the right choice going into the season here, bringing both of these goaltenders back when we might have been able to spend the salary cap on more of a position of need? Yeah. Yeah, of course you bring the goalies back. Of course. Listen, I I I love watching them hug. Trust me, it brings me joy every time. However, that's not why. Um, like we just talked about with all the centers, like if you're not gonna have a true number one center, you need to have a one A and a one B, because it's it's becoming way more. Um, it's occurring way more to have two goaltenders. It's not like back when I don't know Tukarask had like. Nicholas Fedberg as his backup. Like you just can't work with a one A and then like a you know three F. It just doesn't work like that anymore. Um 
I do think, as much as I love Linus Holmark, he does get paid an awful lot to be a part of a tandem, which is why when I talk about Swayman arbitration, I do believe he's like a, you know, 3.25, 3.5 million dollar guy. Um, but, I mean, if they're going to keep using the tandem, obviously when they stopped using it in the playoffs, it's magically stopped working. I remember what a hearing, yeah, right? You know, if it's not broken, you don't fix it, right? Uh, but it's like, I remember hearing when we first got Linus Olmark, the issue was look at how many games he's played and look at his numbers and see if, I guess, the continuity is an issue. Um, I don't know if, I know he had an injury in the playoffs and he wasn't really saying anything and he doesn't have to tell us anything, but true. Um, if, if but that was working, really weird at the end of the it, season. It was weird, but you know what? I I feel like I feel like he didn't want people to I feel like it was minor, it was lingering, and he didn't want people to absolutely crap on him for it. And I get that. Yeah, but then you had like the weird comment that he made at the awards. Do you remember that when he was like oh, with Bob? Yeah, he like threw goalie Bob under the bus a little bit. And then and then See? Montgomery did too in his postseason press conference. Yeah. It's a weird dynamic. I don't know. I didn't really, I, didn't, I guess a lot of people said that, and I got into a lot of arguments about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I kind of saw it as like more more of like a banter type thing, like mm-hmm. a, like, a, oh, like, you know, we don't always agree, but we always mm-hmm. come out together, you know. And maybe can, people and, are reading too much into it, but yeah. like, it also could be like, a, I mean, let's be honest, Linus Olmark is not a English first speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be some sort of like, attitude that is more commonplace or well understood in Swedish culture than you know what is necessarily understood over here in America maybe it just doesn't quite translate well um but I I I absolutely agree with you you know I I still don't understand why if we had a historic season with both of these goaltenders and they were you know managing their workload via tandem why would they suddenly change it just because it's the playoffs? Like when was the last time that Linus Allmark played six games in a row in the regular? It didn't happen. He didn't play six games in a row. You know, they managed his workload via the tandem uh, with Jeremy Swayman going in maybe like every other game or every other, other game. Um, And then we suddenly expect that Linus will replicate the same exact thing that he was doing with significant rest. I think that's kind of asinine. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we have the best goaltending depth in the league. Arguably I would say we do, but I'm a little bit biased. Why wouldn't we use that? And why would we wait until it was arguably an emergency to make that swap? Because that puts all that unnecessary pressure on Jeremy Swayman. Suddenly he has to come in and be the superhero again. It didn't work last year. It didn't work this year. Like, what do they say? The definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. I don't know. And that's what I'm wondering, like, what they said in this arbitration with Jeremy Swayman. Because, I mean, you can talk that man down all you want, but at the end of the day, you keep putting him in a bad position. Mm -hmm. It's not fair to Jeremy to be thrown into that position. 
it's it's not fair to to Linus to be thrown into that position where he's starting six in a row. Now I know Linus will never come out and say, "Please don't start me every single game mm-hmm. of the postseason," because he's a goaltender. He has confidence in his game. He's a competitive guy. He wants to be the guy between those pipes. But he's also a really good teammate, and he's always happy to see his goaltending partner succeed. And I know whenever I was in net and I got benched, I was never upset by it. You know, I wanted to see my goaltending duo have success because, A, I'm not a piece of shit, despite what some people say. Um, and, B, it's it's fun just sitting on the bench and, and watching your team vibe and win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's um it's a completely different dynamic you get to see some of the stuff that's going on on the bench instead of you know when you're just in your own head sitting there in the crease um yeah i, I just i i i for one am super stoked because linus i know this is not the popular answer but because of my scandinavian heritage linus allmark is my goaltender of choice and I would have bet money. Once again, this is the offseason of Ace being wildly incorrect. Um, I would have bet money that Linus Allmark was traded around the deadline, or sorry, the draft, to recoup some draft capital. Because when is the last time that a goalie that's coming off of a historic season and a Vezina trophy was potentially made available at the trade deadline at that age? You know, you can you can cite Marc-Andre Fleury, but when Marc-Andre Fleury won the Vezina with the Vegas Golden Knights, he was like 33, 34, maybe even older than that. It's not the same. He was in the twilight of his career. You know, Linus Olmark is entering the prime of his career. He's under control contractually. His cap hit isn't an albatross like Sergei Bobrovsky. You know, he was a very tradable asset that could have gotten draft picks. And with the cap pickle that the Bruins got themselves into, I really... I really thought Linus was going to be on the way out. Um, am I happy that it was Taylor Hall instead? Not necessarily. Um, I'm wearing a Taylor Hall jersey right now as I record this. I uh, I was a big Halsey guy. I was a big supporter of the hashtag Taylor Hall's a Boston Bruins movement. Um, but Don Sweeney clearly prioritized maintaining the goaltending depth that this team has because I believe that the mentality of the Boston Bruins strategically has been built from the net out for so long. I mean, you just look at the legacy of the Boston Bruins goaltenders, right? You look at Tim Thomas, who is a journeyman, older goalie that comes in here and absolutely dominates, sets records, wins Vezina, wins a con Smythe, and then he hands the keys to, I don't know, not some schmuck, some guy named Tuka Rask, who proceeds to set, you know, um, franchise records for goaltending wins. Um, plenty of, I think he had two, did he have two Vezinas or just the one, Lauren? Do you know? I think he had, only had the one. Okay. I think he was nominated like three times mm-hmm. and he got, you know, I think he was probably screwed over on a couple of them oh that man was snubbed yeah definitely that's the word i'm looking for snub thank you (laughs) um yeah i i mean i was definitely as a member of the card carrying member of the goaltenders union i was not as good as i should have been the tuka rask um i was a big tim thomas guy and i love the fire that timmy played with you know when 
when somebody got in his crease, you know, Timmy would waffle board him or, or, you know, whatever with his blocker, punch him right in the face. Like, just think back to you. Were you watching the bees when um, Tim Thomas during the TV timeout took the knee at the hash marks and it was the, uh, Ice yep. research. Oh, and Sean Avery booped him right in the back of the head, and he <laughs> yeah. didn't act. Oh I was my just, god! I was just trying to remember who did it. Yeah. Oh my god, that resonated yeah. with me on a spiritual level. Like that is how I played goalie. So <laughs> I, I was got... definitely more of a of a rask. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was a I was a battlefly type goaltender. I was not very technically sound. I was flopping around, do whatever I needed to do to make the save. And if anybody ever had the balls to screen me, I, um, you know, that spot above the back of their skates, mm-hmm. I would definitely slash the shit out of it. I've only then, blocker punched someone once. Oh, I did it about seven it, times. I, I, I'm not a big fighter. I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, some of my friends, uh, my some of my teammates called me like one of the like calmest goalies that they know. And I took that as a compliment. That is a compliment. Well, there's a reason why you went for farther in your goaltending career than I did. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'll tell a story. So I never really played at a super high level. Um, I started playing a little later in life. Um, I, I told the story in the last pod. I was a goalie that um, started playing hockey goalie before I could skate. So generally speaking, young goalies, you should probably know how to skate before you decide to be a goalie. Um, I think that probably <laughs> led me to my non-traditional goaltending style that I played with. Um, but I uh, I definitely enjoyed the fact that I had all that pressure on me. Um, it was up to me to make sure my team had a chance to win. And it was kind of like a, I, I described it last time as kind of like a game within a game. You know what I mean? you're on a team you're wearing the same jersey as all these other people but what you have to do is completely different than what the rest of them have to do and that was compelling to me um one of my not so finest moments when i was in net it was a um peewee state hockey championship and those of you that don't know um i'm from new hampshire i've been raised in i was raised in new hampshire so I was playing in the New Hampshire State Peewee Championships. And for some reason, they decided that the host team for this particular tournament was going to be Littleton, New Hampshire. And that's right on the border of Vermont. They don't have a rink in Littleton. So I had to play my New Hampshire State Championship in Vermont, which was super interesting. <laughs> that's so um, weird. Yeah, and the team over there, they were the Eagles. They were the home team. They were the host team. And I was like, I think we were like the second seed in the tournament, and the Eagles were like the seven seed. So it was like the one through eight tournament seeding. And um, this little tiny arena in Vermont, it was um, absolutely filled with the parents of the home team. And they came out in the first period, and I don't know what I was doing. I let in, like, four goals in the first period, and we were trailing really early. And all of those parents were acting like it was the miracle on ice, and they were, like, flapping their wings, 
in their arms like they were eagles and i was so ticked off i was so angry like i was ready to helicopter my stick across the ice like i i just got caught on plays i should not have gotten caught on like i bit on a deke and i gave up like the world's largest five hole goal um the game came to a merciless end, or, 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 um, a game that ended very not comfortably. Um, I think we lost like seven to two, and and those fans were all still doing that goddamn eagle wing flap thing. And the worst part was is that my stepdad was my coach, and I skated to center ice, and I flipped every one of those fans off. I flipped them all <laughs> off. 13-year-old me just takes off my mask, throws my gloves down, and I just give them all the bird, and I skate <laughs> off the ice. I didn't even shake anyone's hand on the other team. I just fucking left. So <laughs> it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive home, and I'm riding there with my stepdad, who's the coach, and not a single fucking word is said the entire ride home. The, it's the, like one of, like the ahead. tournament photographer has that like <laughs> it's like am i supposed to take this picture <laughs> oh my god like i just know that all of those fans of the team that beat us tell that story for the rest of their life you know do you remember that time you beat dover and they uh they, the goalie just skated to center ice and flipped off the entire arena it sounds like it, they deserved it it's kind of like the Tuka Rask moment when he fucking yeeted the milk crate out on a Saturday when he was with Providence. Yeah, I yeah, I love that moment. Yeah. Well, I but... love Tuka Rask so much, though. I, I came into the... Um, I started playing goalie when I was 10 or 11. Um, okay. And I loved Tim Thomas. And then Tuka Rask took over. And that was like I I watched him play, and I was like, "This is gonna be the dude that I that I become. Like that's that's gonna be my style of play." I wore like you know the the Vaughn pads because he nice. wore Vaughn pads, and then mm-hmm. yeah, all that stuff that you do as a kid. Um, but yeah, so he was like both of those goaltenders. Like we've been so spoiled, and we don't even know it. Most mm-hmm. people are just like, "Oh, those, those goaltenders suck." Like Tukarask, he choked. He left and he went to go see his daughter in the hospital. How dare he? It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you have kids? No. No, you don't. Yeah, I'll tell no, you. That's like, why you don't think that that's a priority. If I found out that my daughter was in the hospital and I was in a stupid bubble for the job that I was working, I'm out. I'm gone. Like, I would do that before Tuka probably did. Not saying that he didn't make the right yeah. choice, but like, until you have a child, until you have your own flesh and blood you can never ever critique the choice that Tukarask made and the fact that all of his teammates rallied behind him tells you all that you need to know if it doesn't offend them if it doesn't piss them off you have no fucking right yeah you really don't but like i said i wasn't entirely fair to tuka during my time as a bruins fan i mean I was the first one to be like, come on, dude. Like one of those shots. I lie to myself. I lie to myself and I say, I could make that save. And I know I can't. I know I couldn't. 
because I've I've gotten on the Bruins ice. I've I've played against some former AHL players, and they have lit me the fuck up. And I know I can't make those saves. So, Tuka, I know you're totally listening to this podcast because you support other goalies. I'm sorry, and I apologize to you. I owe you that apology. I didn't really mean that you cost us the 2019 Cup, okay? I didn't actually mean that. Just for the record. He was Let the, the only reason we got that. there. <laughs> That's fucking true. He played lights <laughs> out in the 19 run. But, They're, oh my God. Like I, they, they just need, He needed someone to help him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, someone playing offense? Mm-hmm. Well, you look at that forward lineup in 19. Holy smokes. How did we even make it that far? Like, that was not a deep group of forwards. But it hurt every fiber of my being to see Jordan Biddington out goalie Tuker Rask in game seven. Like that. Now he sucks. Good. So, he should have sucked a long time happy. ago. I, I hate him. He is my number one enemy in the NHL. Yeah, did you know that Brett scored on him? Yeah. I've heard it once or twice, or maybe five times. Drink. <laughs> um, all right, so we've already touched on Swayman. We've touched on Linus Allmark. Um why don't we why don't you tell me about one of your favorite stories? Do you have anything that kind of stands out to you from your time in, in net as a goalie? You want to tell us some of your background as a goalie? Um, yeah, sure. I have a pretty interesting uh, – the way that I got to college is pretty interesting. I um, I started playing hockey, like I said, when I was like 10 or 11. I never played any other position besides goalie. Um, don't know why. I started off um, finding out that I had really bad vision really early. And so I was like the goalie with like the um, – the like sports goggles under my helmet and that was like the worst experience ever I got contact shortly after um but so I started playing at some like you know little town leagues um played throughout my middle school then I got to I got to high school and I played for this coach who I didn't really see eye to eye with um and she wasn't the kindest to me uh we also had four goalies at the time so um that's about we also got we got lit up um i didn't dress for our first game and we got lit up nine nothing and it was like and she wouldn't give me a chance and it was so annoying and i asked her what i could do better and you know she gave me like the runaround of well it's just you have to do this but like it's just you're just not as consistent and i was like i remember there would be days when i would like go, go to practice and i would stop every single puck and it still wasn't enough and so that was frustrating. Um, so I ended up playing beer league when I was around 14 years old. I joined uh, a local beer league and got to meet some, you know, I played against a lot of people that had play, played professional women's hockey, um, mm-hmm. whether in the U.S. or over in Europe. So that was a really good experience for me. I met a lot of really, really talented women. And I ended up meeting someone who went to a Catholic school and she got me in touch with the coach so my junior year I transferred schools to play for a you know highly ranked Catholic school in Massachusetts I think we were top five every year that I was there um 
And then college came around. I got a few D1 offers. I got a lot more D3 offers. And then I started looking at like club ACHA. And then I decided to go the ACHA route just because I went and I um, took a biology major. Mm-hmm. And I was like horrified that I was gonna have to play hockey so lo- so long, and like I I wasn't ready for like hockey every single day. Plus yeah. taking like a freshman course at UNH, they design chemistry. Shout for out Wildcats! Yeah, shout out Wildcats! Hopefully, maybe they'll be good at hockey this year. University of No Harbor probably won't. Yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, so I started playing at UNH, and that was a really good experience. I got to eventually run the team, was a president, and for two years, and we made nationals twice. Unfortunately, the first time it was in Texas, and it was canceled due to COVID. But we went to uh, St. Louis for my first nationals. Um, only won one game, which was fine. Uh, but we were placed in a Canadian division which I didn't really know existed in the American Collegiate Hockey Association. And uh, they were absolutely insane. They actually give their girls scholarships to play up there, um, even though it's club. So uh, it was like a two of the two of the games were like it was like, I think it was like four or five nothing. And they had like 60, 65 shots on me. It was absolutely nuts, hmm. but it was fun, you know. Yeah. Uh, but St. Louis is not a fun place. I did not like that at all. I was so bored. You just like you sit there and you drink. That's it. That doesn't um, sound so bad to me. Yeah, but w- when you go into like uh, Bass Pro Shops and you ask what you can do around there, and the guy goes, "This is it." Um, you kind of <laughs> you're like, "Where did I go for my spring break?" Like. Yeah, that oh was also God. the bad part was it was spring break. Uh, everybody else was in like Fort Lauderdale or like Aruba and we're mm. in the middle of nowhere, like Missouri. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I kind of, I, I got where I wanted to be. Um, it was just a little bit of a zigzag to get there, but it was, it was fun. Do it's you good. still play? Yeah, I play beer league still. Nice. I cover, I cover a lot of, um ice time for people i'm playing in a tournament soon um yeah me and boozy actually play for like the same like league which is actually kind of funny i haven't run into him but i was about to say has he scored on you yet (laughs) no no we'd um he's like he would be in like the men's i don't really i don't play with men too much anymore because okay they run me all the time and get mad at me and it's not my fault man just shoot the Uh, puck better calm down like you're in yeah. beer league. There's no scouts oh here. Oh my god, I've gotten yelled at so many times because they're they're like, what? You're like, what do you mean you stopped that puck? It's like, dude, you shot into my pad. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I would find players in my beer league that I knew had like a really short temper, and if they ever had a chance at a breakaway, I would do like the Dominic Hashik sliding poke check with the two pads <laughs> stacked to intentionally trip them. Oh my god, they would get so angry at me. Oh, I'm sure. And and then I would play like 
I would act like is Ilya Brzgalov. I'd be like, why do you have to be mad? It's only game. It's I, only I did game. nothing. It's only game. Yeah. Yeah, I think really, really appreciate something. that. Oh, the amount of like fights, like I had a guy um, go on a breakaway, stop it, and then he like pushed me afterwards. Like, what? like I got up and he just like cross-checked me. No. I was like, what? And then so I have like a bunch of dudes just coming over and like, like, what are you doing? What are you doing to our goalie? And it's like, I want to leave here right now. This is too much masculinity for me. Um. Yeah, that doesn't really happen in women's <laughs> women's at all. Oh man, it they happens kinda, all the time in men's. <laughs> <laughs> they just the other team will come up and be like, "Oh, good, that was a good save." <laughs> it's, like every once in a while, there are those people that are like just good people, and like yeah. you know who they are if you play against them enough. And I'll even say it right back to him and be like, "That was a nice try, dude," but like I got you, and he'll be like, "That was a hell of a save." And then he'll just like snipe one on me. I'll be like, holy shit, dude, where did that come from? Nice fucking shot. And, you know, those are the people you like to play against. But, I mean, this, the dark, sinister side of me also really enjoys the people with the short fuses because I will intentionally be like Brad Marchand. I will just do whatever I can to set these guys off. But the problem is when you're in beer league, and, and you may not know this because you're on the other side of things, but like, these guys all act like there's somebody watching and they want to like prove themselves. And uh, sometimes they don't realize that, you know, all of these guys that are out there playing, guess what? They all have jobs. They're all dads. Most likely some of them are grandpas and they all have responsibilities the next day. Like, why are you going out slew footing people? Why are you going for people's knees? Like, why are you throwing a face high, like slap shot? Um, like, I'm not afraid of, like, high slap shots. I'm not the one that needs to be worried about, you know, because I'm fully geared. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a D-man that's only wearing a half shield and he's got two kids underneath six years old, like, I don't think, like, his little girl, his daughter's really super stoked to see him come home missing, you know, 80% of his teeth because one guy thought he was Zidane Chara back there. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, it's all just shinny, guys. Like, Nothing's really on the line here. We, although we did have a, uh, we had a league trophy that was a keg that they would literally <laughs> etch people's names into, which is pretty fucking cool. That we is hilarious. We definitely like that one. Yeah, no, um, we 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 do have a lot of tryhards. I mean, I pl- I do play with um some like former uh. PHF slash PWHPA mm-hmm. girls, which is slash really whatever cool. the fuck it's going to be called now. Uh, what a shit, a show. shit show! It's going to be awful. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, have you heard anything on the Boston franchise? Um, the last I heard, they weren't even like giving another look at it. Yeah, I know there's the a petition one... going around. Mm-hmm, I saw that. I've seen that. I've signed that. Um, but I just. I don't I don't think they're gonna do it. I really don't. Didn't like the shareholder or whatever come out and say that oh, you know, we like Boston as a location, but the team name is like yes. not desirable because it gives yeah. people the wrong impressions or something the like pride, that. God forbid. Wow. Yeah, because gay like, people exist, by the way. Who would have thought? That's fucking ridiculous. It's just like like do you know what a pride is? Like yeah, multiple like lions. Just, Which, like just what, I don't up, know. Look bro. at the logo, bud. 
<laughs> what is the what's on the logo? I don't it's know. not a gay person, it's a fucking lion. <laughs> People are just ridiculous. Like when I when I saw that report, I I couldn't I had to like double check and make sure that it was like legitimate. Because <laughs> when like you not see the something onion? Yeah, it's like when you see something that's stupid, it's like, oh my god. Like, these people actually think this way like okay you know what whatever you don't like the name change the name if it really bothers you make it make a franchise change the other name like your boston lionesses i i i hate like anything that is like made feminine for sports teams it just bothers yeah. me yeah what about the boston lady bruins uh, I I can't do it. I really can't. No, I can't blame you. It it makes me think it's like the jerseys are like immediately going to be like pink. <laughs> they just I give the so Bruins good. bear like lipstick and like eyeliner. <laughs> I want them to give the uh, the meth bear lipstick. Did you see the thing that I posted the uh, the emote that I posted in the um, Slack? Oh yeah. It was like the senpai <laughs> meth bear. <laughs> that was that was so funny. I remember yeah. the first time I saw that, I lo- I like I double checked it. I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, notice me, senpai. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um so we are uh chugging right along here. Um that was some fun banter about goaltending. Um always happy to have you on, talk some goalie stories. Um, I'm going to pivot to the Trent Frederick arbitration. Um, the big thing about this arbitration case that I thought was interesting was the deviation from player to club on the term. Um, it's not something that you will often see. I'm not saying it's uncommon, but you know, from the arbitration cases that I've kind of kept an eye on, generally speaking, it's a one-year deal, and it's really just the dollars that are being you know, debated. Um, with the Frederick arbitration, the Bruins are looking for him uh, to sign a deal for two years, and Trent is looking for a one-year deal. Um, I believe the Bruins, and once again, Lauren, I don't have the dollars in front of me. Um, Bruins are looking at like 1.9, and Frederick was looking at 2.9. Does that sound right to you? I think the team was 1.4. But Okay. So team was 1.4. Frederick was 2.9, but the team mm-hmm. offered another year in turn. Um, I'm really interested in seeing this because Trent Frederick scored 17 goals last year, and he was the third highest scorer for the Bees at 5-on-5, five five, which I was actually genuinely shocked when I heard that fact. I did not think that would ever be the case because if you, as a fan... And not like a Trent Frederick fan, a Boston Bruins fan, watched that whole season. You would not imagine Trent Frederick would have the third highest five on five goals for. Um, I mean, I guess that's a testament to the work that he's put in on depositing those pucks that are in those, you know, loose puck situations in the dirty areas in front. Because I can't think of off the top of my head really many Trent Frederick goals from last year. And they were like all, they had to be all like these dirty, nasty goals, like loose pucks right in front of the net. And he just kind of tucked them in. 
Um, what do you think, Lauren? Where do you kind of think Trent Frederick falls in on the two sides of this argument and arbitration? Um, I kind of val- so because he's coming off a career year, it's kind of hard to undervalue him. Um, I do obviously think that two point nine million is definitely steep for someone who has had you know one significant year. Um, not to say he was bad in the past, but it's just career-wise, stats-wise. Um, I could see him coming in around $2 million. Uh, two, $2 million to maybe like two point four, something like that. I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. Obviously, I know that in arbitration, you're, you want to aim high, um, which is exactly what Swayman did. Um, but yeah, I really... I also found it interesting about the the term... And I'm wondering, like, what that was about. Yeah, and so let's let's hit rewind a little bit here, right? So there's two arbitration cases. We have the Jeremy Swayman one, which has already taken place. We will likely find out about the award that Jeremy Swayman will receive at any moment um, at the time that this pod is released. Um, but, you know, Lauren and I agreed probably around 3.4, you know, right in the middle doesn't take a mathematician to figure that out is probably a fair award. Um, that will leave the Bruins according to cap friendly with $2,029,000. So what happens if the arbitrator decides and says, Hey, Frederick, you were an outstanding five on five producer. I'm going to give you 2.2 million. So the Bruins are going to take that and a one-year deal, and now they're suddenly over on the cap. You know, what do you think is going to be the resolution there, Lauren? Um, I would have to think it has to do something with uh, Forbert. Yeah, and so so you're going the trade route, you think is probably what's going to have to happen? I, I, would, I would think so, but I also am willing to bet they've tried it. So I'm not certain like that would actually work um, because I can't imagine that they haven't shopped around forward a little bit yeah. just because of how badly he played in the playoffs. Um, and he's honestly kind of a defensive liability, which isn't great when you're defense. a defensive defenseman. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that, um, I would be worried if they were going to shop around like a Grizzlick to keep someone like Frederick here. Uh, just because, I mean, yeah. as a goalie, I'm always focused on the defensive side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Cause I, I'm, I'm looking here on, on cap friendly too. And like I'd mentioned that they are a little up against it. This projection also has the Bruins as carrying eight defensemen on the roster. So that's, that's taking into account. Ian Mitchell at 775k. It has um, Jacob Zaboral on at 1.1 mil. Um, so I mean, I think that they'll probably carry seven defensemen on their roster. Probably not eight. Ian Mitchell will probably be sent down to give the Bruins another 775k. So that would give them a total of 2.8 mil in cap space. So I think even if they, you know. Frederick got a favorable ruling from the arbitrator. 
Um, I believe that they have enough cap space to get both of these players under contract. I don't think Swayman's going to get some crazy high ruling simply because he's not the starting goaltender. Um, you know, the bona fide number one, like a lot of these other teams have. Um, the fact that they're in a um, tandem the way that they are, it kind of shoots them both in the foot a little bit on earnings. But um, it makes the team that much stronger. Um, all right. So we're going to kind of put the bookmark on the Frederick side of things. By the time we record next, we'll know both what the Swayman arbitration hearing has resulted in and the Frederick arbitration hearing. The next pod recording is going to be incredibly boring, I think. There's not going to be any news really coming out. So we'll have to really make up some bullshit to keep you guys entertained. Um but uh, I do have a couple of listener submissions that I want to kind of touch on before we wrap things up today. Um, first things first, I have a anonymous submission um, requesting us to talk about Ryan Spooner. Um, you're laughing. Do you know something I don't? No, I just haven't. I haven't thought or said the name Ryan Spooner. In a hot minute. Yeah, he was um he was the uh the next big thing there for a while there. He was uh he was a lot of people's binky. Everybody was like, Oh, you know, he's gonna he's gonna revolutionize the uh the center position for the Bruins. He's that new elite skill player. You saw the way that like he skated and how he would open up his hips and shit like that while he was going. And like the only other player that I can think of that would do that as regularly as he did was like Kale McCarr at this point. So, um, yeah, I definitely thought Ryan Spooner was going to be like our two C or three C when the Bruins eventually moved on from David Krejci, because like I said, I, uh, I'm not a ginormous David Krejci guy, but, um, it obviously never quite put it together. Like you could tell that his feet and, and his skating was NHL level but not much else was. It, it was kind of like his hockey sense lagged behind his skates a little bit, and he was never able to really um, think and, and execute at an NHL level. Um, he could skate at an NHL level. He could skate like the fucking wind. But, um, yeah, that's my very amateur scouting report, professional level of Ryan Spooner. Do you have any takeaways now that you've gotten a second to collect yourself and think about Ryan Spooner, Lauren? Um, it just makes me think of, um, the, what was it? The Ryan Strom trade. Oh yeah. The, the what was that? Peter Shrelly era of Edmonton. Oh God. I don't think I, I Shrelly's think... ever had a good era at any team. <laughs> well, he Honestly, had, he existed. So the cup win was a fluke. We, we won in spite of Peter Shirelli, not because of True. him. True. I agree. I just, I just can't. I can't I totally forgot that trade happened. Like that's absolutely nuts to me. Wasn't wasn't Shirelli the architect of the Hall for Larson deal too? Oh yes, yes, he was. The trade yeah. is one for one. <laughs> Hall is a Boston Bruin. Oh god. Don't don't say that again. God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> you're never gonna invite me on again. <laughs> no, you're welcome back anytime. Um, yeah, so I hate to say it, there's not a whole lot else to fucking talk about Ryan Spooner. So um, we're gonna we're gonna move on from that. 
Um, we have another question uh, from a, another podcast. Take a look and follow them. County Sport Talk. Um, the main host, their name is Smeezy. Um, they ask, who are the first two or three guys that get the call up this year and see NHL minutes first? Um, I'll tackle that first. I'll give you a little bit of time to think about that, Lauren. Um, I think that it's going to be on the offensive side. We're talking about Georgie Merkulov. Um, Georgie is a really high-end skilled forward. It's going to be sweet to see a Russian in the black and gold again. I think the last one I remember regularly was like um, Sergei Samsonov back in the day. Um, Merkulov played with... Um, holy shit, why can't I remember his name? The defense prospect that is so highly touted right now. My brain's not working. Lauren, help me. Ohio State <laughs> defenseman. Mason um, Lorine. There we go. Yeah. Holy shit. Sorry, guys. Um, I believe Georgie Markulov played with Mason Lori at Ohio State. Um, and I remember that there were some people that were like, oh, Mason, tell me a little bit about Georgie. And Mason's like, this kid will score. Like, he knows how to score goals. And he's absolutely lit it up at the AHL level. He's been one of the top scorers for Providence. Um, so I'm really excited to see Georgie Merkulov. Um, in addition to that, we have uh, Mark McLaughlin. Um, I'm not tremendously super optimistic about his upside, which is pretty shitty to say because he's going to be joining a friend of ours podcast here soon. But um, he's got a really big body. I love his uh, his energy. Um, he's a perfect kind of fit for the bottom six in a pinch if we need a body down there. Um, that first game he played at TD Garden was fucking electric. He had that gorgeous one-time goal for his first NHL goal. The Garden. I was there. You were there for that? Yeah. No shit. I... I've never been at like a game for a first NHL goal before. I have been to uh, two of Bergeron's hat tricks, um, which is nice. also pretty sick. But um, yeah, so that was like honestly like such a cool moment to see, like experience that like with Absolutely. him. Like obviously, you know, there's a ton of other people there. It's not just me and him, but it was just so cool. Like, uh, like that's a dream come true. Hundred percent, yeah. And and you'll actually like this. I'm pivoting here. I went to a Bruins game in, in Newark, New Jersey against the Devils, and it was the very last game that Martin Broder played as a Devil at the Rock at the Prudential Center. Um, I want to tell you a fun fact here, Lauren, If it, just in case you ever see it in trivia. The very final shot that Martin Broder faced as a Devil in the Prudential Center was a goal given up to the nose face killer Brad Marchand on the power play. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. That just makes sense. It does. I wouldn't want it any other way. No, and I'm just happy that I was there. It was a loss, but it was like one of those like late regular season games that didn't really fucking matter. Like we were playing mm-hmm. like six Providence players, but Brad Marchand scored that goal, and I actually brought. I think it was like nine years ago now, right? I mean, Broder's been out of the game for a while, right? Yeah. And uh, my daughter, who's turning 10 here in a month, I had her and she was like an infant. It was like her very first NHL game. And I brought her to that and we were down on the lower bowl. Devils fans were all super, super nice and super welcoming. 
um really nice people and yeah we had a great time even though it was a loss um but yeah that that was that was kind of like my big moment that i saw firsthand was uh was martin Berger's last game in newark i really um, liked jersey when i went when yeah. i went to um the devils versus canes or second round game okay um it was fun i got very drunk there they, they were very expensive drinks though like way more expensive than the garden and actually really? when I went to florida for the third round uh florida was even more expensive uh but yeah, they I... were uh they were giving me like free samples of stuff so i was just making my round so that was that nice. worked at newark you were getting the free samples oh no at uh florida live Okay, yeah, I went there um, for this year's playoffs. I brought my uh, my older daughter, Aria, and we flew down there for game three and four. So we were down there, and we had a really good time. And I like that, you know, you can be up there at the arena, and you're just looking out the windows, and you see the Everglades just, like, yeah. as far as the eye can see. Super cool. Um, met some really good people there. I only got threatened once for wearing a Bruins jersey. One guy threatened to kill me, which is super cool in front of my daughter. Yeah, yeah she she was like, "What did he mean by kill you?" I'm I was like, "I'm pretty sure, like he wanted my pulse to end." Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got pushed over violently. Uh, when oh I was really? At, yeah, I was at, so I was at the game where they swept, um, and my my friend's mother is a very big Panthers fan. So um, she wanted to be by the glass. So we went down for warmups and I'm standing there. I'm, not, I'm in like, I think like a everything hockey shirt. I wasn't in okay. like a Bruins thing. I, you know, I was very neutral. And this woman just grabs my shoulder and throws me back. And so I like, I like hold on to the seat that I like landed on. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? And she just, moves in front of me and just stays there and i was like okay that's fine but then i found a bruins fan right next to me he was like are you okay and i was like yeah and then we started talking and he was like oh no i actually i'm a bruins fan i don't i'm, I'm just here for my buddy and i was like yeah like, me too <laughs> <laughs> i love that shit yeah i um i was up in the balcony and uh there was a lot of Bruins fans there. Let me just put it that way. And we did not make many friends from some of our chants. Like this old geriatric Panthers fan, like turned around and looked at one of the Bruins fans and he like was puffing up his chest and stuff. And I was like, sit down, buddy. Like your grandkids aren't going to see this. Like you can calm down. You don't want to risk that AARP check for this. Like let's hit the brakes. Well, they all just became fans last year, so it's it's hard to yeah, you know. No kidding. They don't, um, they don't know hockey yet. <laughs> so I I think I've got to pivot back here to Smeezy's question. I haven't given my third guy, um, and I'll give you a chance to give yours. But my third guy is Luke Toporowski, who just got signed to an NHL deal. Um, he's a he's a guy that's always kind of stood out to me a little bit. Um, he's got a scoring touch. Uh, high-end offensive player um probably third of those three guys to um come up and get a chance but uh but yeah those are my three lauren do you have any so you took two of mine um but i will add one um i would really like to see 
John Beecher. Um, I just think he, I think he has a lot more potential than people think. Um, I saw him play a few times when he, um, when his college team came down to UNH. So that was really cool. I mean, everybody around us is like, hey, like, isn't that guy like a Bruins prospect? Um, yeah, I just, he's a big guy. I th- I really think that he has so much more to give than what has been shown. Um, and he's someone who I'd really like to see, uh, like, make the final roster. So, I mean, the good thing that Beecher has going for him, right, is the fact that he's a centerman. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a much more willing, uh, a much higher willingness for the coaching staff to try new resolutions or new options at the center position this year. So there, there may be some credence to your pick there. I like that pick. Um, all right, yeah. So that's all I have for topics today. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of start closing things up. So, uh, really appreciate you joining us, Lauren. Once again, do you want to go ahead and plug your socials where people can find you? Yeah, um, my Twitter, my personal Twitter is at Boss Bruins HC. Um, and then you can listen to us on it is I I'm really bad at remembering the own my name of my actual podcast. It's like it's it's so ironic because she she was like all goals and I was like, but I'm a goalie. How am I supposed to remember any of this? <laughs> so <laughs> all goals, no misses at it's our Twitter is exactly that. All goes goals no misses MRS. Um yeah, that's that's me. Perfect. All right. And um once again, you can uh follow me. I'm Aaron Ace Chisling. Um you can find me on Twitter at at Ace in that's I N six zero three. So Ace in New Hampshire. Um and definitely appreciate you guys tuning in. Um it's been a fun episode talking about some goaltending memories, talking some Bergeron. Um, I'll save my David Krejci hate for next, next, uh, pod recording. I'll be able to rant about him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, thanks everybody. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you.